Welcome to the Anchored by Faith podcast, a Reformed Baptist podcast with the goal to hold to Scripture to be conformed to the image of God. My name is Colton Wright, and my co-host over here, Logan Batisti. And we are doing, like, really good right now because we've only been a week since we dropped an episode. Right. It's crazy that we're actually trying to get consistent now, maybe for at least two weeks in a row. Maybe. Until life throws another curveball at us. Which does happen quite a bit sometimes. So, have you been? I've been doing pretty good. I had a really busy 4th of July weekend. I went to my first dirt track races at oh. Lucas Oil. Wait a minute. Have you never been to a dirt track race before? I don't think I've ever been to a dirt track oh. race before. Oh. Lucas Oil is very nice, dirt track. Yeah, and we got to see some awesome fireworks. Although my wife and... Other family members said that it was like an hour and a half fireworks show sometimes, and the show only ended up being 20 minutes, but it was still spectacular. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. Did they have the modifieds, or was it just the... Or was it modified? Don't ask me about car classes. Did it, did it... Was it just the big, was, big cars, or was it little midget cars, cars? They had some big cars, and then they had a couple of the thing cars. Like the little like, go-karts? No. Oh, okay. Those are really fun. Those are called like the winged sprints. Oh. Yep. No, didn't have any of those. Those things are really fun to watch. I don't remember all the car classes. I know that there was four of them. Well, that's as much as I can tell you. It's a lot of fun. We grew up on the races. My grandpa, he worked for, well, I guess, I don't know if worked for would be the thing, but he was on a pit crew for a, a race car driver that kind of ran the circuit around here. Oh, cool. He was a friend of his. Mm-hmm. So we we went to all the ones up north. What was it? Uh, Warrensburg, I think Blue Springs, Grain Valley. There's there's a lot. We kind of bounced back, but a lot of weekends at a racetrack. It was awesome. Missed cool. those days. Cool. So that's why your hearing's all gone. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <clears throat> that's it. Yeah, my daughter did not want to wear her headphones really? at all during it. Like she wore it for a good little bit, but. But, but then she, took, she stopped. <laughs> she took them off because they were annoying. My grandpa, my, my other grandpa and I, we went to our first NASCAR race. I've only been to one NASCAR race. Uh-huh. And being in dirt tracks, it's loud, you know. Mm-hmm. But I never wear, wore earmuffs. I was just like, <laughs> who needs those? Mm-hmm. And then so we went to the first NASCAR race. And my aunt had bought us some. And we're like, <laughs> we're not going to wear those. And we were three seats back from the fence. Uh-huh. And about the first pass around, it was like headphones go up. <laughs> it was like, that's... That's, that's deafening. That's, that's loud. That's really loud. <laughs> but that's awesome. Yeah, I can't say I've... I've been to like monster truck rallies and things oh. like that, but never really any dirt truck racing. Never been to a monster truck thing, but that would be cool. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. They had some jet propelled cars. Or jet engine propelled cars. Nice. We were in the top row and could feel the heat up there. Yeah. Those things are cool. Mm-hmm. Did you go to the drag strip that one time? Nope. I've was, never been to a drag strip. It was Kyle Remington and us. I mean, we had went to that and they had one of those jet cars. And mm-hmm. it was really cool. I mean, just the, like the anticipation. You'd watch the trees behind. Right. Because as it was like firing up, it was like boof. Woof, woof, and you could watch the trees sway back and forth. Mm-hmm. It was it was pretty cool. Yeah, I can't say I've ever been to a drag strip yet either. That was the only time I've ever been to a drag strip. It mm-hmm. was it was a lot of fun, but it took a long time. We were there for a long time. We left and it was not over. I bet we left at like ten o'clock. It was like yeah, okay, we're mm-hmm. we're going now. So speaking of a long time, we should probably actually like get to the episode. Probably what? It's just banter. <laughs> I mean, we do have hour-long episodes sometimes. This is true. But we do have screaming children, whether it is yours or mine. It's That one might be mine. <laughs> it's very high-pitched. Yeah. I mean, Scarlett is finding her high-pitchedness voice now. So we'll see how that goes. But one thing before we get onto the episode. Did, did I ask you about your 4th of July? Uh, No. How was it? It was good. We went down to the river, celebrated Caleb's birthday. Cool. Had some fun. Did you shoot some fireworks off down there? Um, I, they did. I didn't. Ah. Uh, I 
had Declan in the water, so that's definitely my child. Yeah, Rafiki. Yeah, yeah. I was throwing him up. He, man, he loved it. Mm-hmm. So it was a good time. I didn't actually watch the video of it, but I saw the pictures. Oh, it was. I definitely left a comment of how Rafiki was lifting up Mufasa, <laughs> Simba, or Simba. 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 You're right. Yeah, he 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 loved it. And then uh, the night before, yeah, Sunday, Sunday we had went to uh, another fireworks. Uh, one of Crystal's bosses or one of her friends, they spend uh, over three thousand dollars a year on fireworks. That's nuts. It was uh, a really cool. It was a good show. It was a very mm-hmm. good show. Yeah, we spent my stepdad and me spent a total of two hundred and fifty. Yeah, and. That was like for one of the big value packs. Yeah. yeah. And then one of the small mortar shelled ones that are all ready to go. Yeah. And it's pretty cool. I enjoyed every one of them. The value pack wasn't as great as last year's. Yeah. I mean, got worth my money's worth for sure. Yeah. Got 250 bucks at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it took us about an hour to go through them all, I think. Oh, that's good. Because Charles, I bought some. Uncle Craig, I bought some. Of course, Megan Remington had. And then Chris had as well. Oh. So, yeah, we had a bunch yeah, of fireworks to go through. Well, that's good. You know, that's what we usually used to used to do is everyone kind of pitch in, bring your fireworks. It'd be like 100 bucks. Everyone spent about 100 bucks a piece. And then by the end of it, you have six, $700 worth of fireworks. Yeah. And, and it's a good time. Yeah, it's a pretty good Scarlett time. Scarlett absolutely loves it. She played with sparklers and... She did hold sparklers to grandma's nervousness. <laughs> she was pretty nervous about that. She came in and was like, your grandpa's letting her hold a sparkler, and I'm kind of nervous. <laughs> Maybe it's good for him. There's adult supervision. She's like, well, if you can call it adult supervision. <laughs> <laughs> That's debatable. I mean, if I was out there, can you really call it adult supervision? No. <laughs> no. Like, you have to get your husband because Scarlett's told him three times to put that down and he's not listening. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. But so, uh, so, anyway, we are going to start a new series. Dun dun. Actually, this has been the long anticipated <laughs> series. Yeah. I mean, we've had this planned since the beginning. Yeah. Pretty much. Uh, this is the last planned one we have, actually. No. We haven't really talked about what we're going to do after this. Shh. <laughs> It's a surprise, a mystery box. Well, you know, if we're like, if we're good Reformed Baptists, this will probably stretch out for two or three years. I hope not. <laughs> That's a long time to stretch out a series over a book. Maybe. That's 10 chapters or so. I mean, 18 months in Hebrews. Fair enough, I guess. <laughs> you know, there's like 13. There's more than 10 chapters. Is there 13 chapters in Hebrews? I don't know. I I don't remember off the top of my head. So anyway, the spiritual disciplines. Not church discipline for how many times I messed that up. I even messed it up this morning. Did you really? Yeah, I was like, yeah, we're going to talk about church discipline. He's like, oh, that's cool. I was like, no, I mean spiritual discipline. He's like, (laughs) you better not mess that up on the podcast. We're going to talk about church discipline on the podcast today. Because we probably deserve it. This is true, especially after this podcast drops. Maybe. (laughs) So, the question we're going to start off the series is, of course, an introduction. And the book that we're really using is Donald Whitney's Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life. Mm -hmm. I did a poll today just to see what other things that people used, books-wise. Mm-hmm. Because I have Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster, which, by the way, I kind of recommended this book, but I will fair warning from a Reformed Baptist position, he does talk about women being elders, and mm. that's something that we don't agree with. Yeah. But don't let that completely take away, because there's still good things to have from people who have those viewpoints. Yeah. They might misunderstand or misrepresent the view on woman eldership, but that doesn't mean like they have a better view than us on the Holy Spirit or mm-hmm. something else that we could be lacking in ourselves. Yeah. It can be wonky in some areas and still have good material in others. Blessed by Charles Wesley. I haven't, 
You have never read some of his commentaries? No, I have like the heart of Charles Wesley's journal. Oh. Or, yeah, I think that's what I had that right. But I got that because I knew he believed differently than I do. Mm Mm-hmm. But I know that he's actually somebody who a lot of hymn writers and everything else that we have have l- yeah. looked up to in the past. Well, his brother, uh, sorry, John Wesley. Yeah, I was about to say John Wesley. I misspoke <laughs> there. And Charles Wesley was the one that was the was the hymn writer. John Wesley was the guy that I was thinking of. I don't know why I said Charles Wesley. John Wesley was the brother who I have a commentary of, and Charles Wesley is the hymn writer, I believe. He, I can't even remember all the, but he's composed many, many famous hymns. Mm-hmm. So, but anyway, blessed. I mean, both their content, really. Right. Blessed by both of them. I mean, they, they both work hand in hand, so. Yeah, so, but disagree greatly, mm-hmm. but we still sing their hymns. Thankful for them because yeah. they helped, they were a part of the Great Awakening, right? Yeah. Yeah, the Great Awakening. I was like, the Reformation? No, nope, that's not right. The Great Awakening. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or maybe the Second Great Awakening. I they don't remember were my the... Time. I think they were around Warfield's time. They were with uh, uh, George Whitfield. Whitfield. That's what it mm-hmm. was, not Warfield. Yeah, George Whitfield. I believe that would have been the Second Great Awakening. Like I said, I always say this every time. I'm not a history buff. It was an awakening. <laughs> I do know that. Yeah, it was definitely during the time of Reformation. <laughs> but uh, spiritual disciplines, not mm-hmm. church. And then another book is Habits of Grace by David Mathis, who is the editor for Desiring God and a pastor up in Minneapolis. That's where I've heard that name. I'll say it sounds vaguely familiar. Yep. And so he does editing for John Piper's thing. For his ministry and... Mm-hmm. Interesting. So those are three ones that I have. There's quite a few others that people have looked through, and maybe we'll get to look through them. Maybe we won't. I don't have that much time to research through so many books. <laughs> I know. I mean, I'm just reading this book. This is the only one I've read, and it's been very encouraging. I've by far that was the one most picked. <laughs> yeah, it's. But it's we been are very... also are Southern Baptists, so yeah. they would go with the Southern Baptist well, point of view on that. When one. you're right, you're right. no i really enjoyed donald whitney's book i've read it at least three times now Uh i think but over the years and i'm really looking forward to one because he has one also about spiritual disciplines for the church Mm, so it's not just focusing on the inward or individual disciplines but also how the church should have spiritual disciplines corporately oh very nice Mm -hmm. i'd be interested in that one so Maybe we can do a second series later on on that one. Yeah. But what we really want to start off is in this introduction, besides naming good resources and things, is why should we do spiritual disciplines? And I actually, listening to a John Piper sermon, really think First Peter chapter 1, verses 13 through 21, really cover why we should. It says, therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, Conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you who through him are believers in God who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. So definitely some, a good summary for sure of why Mm -hmm. got some questions. Okay. 
How do we prepare our minds and set our hope fully on the gospel? How do we set our minds? Hmm. Obviously, spiritual disciplines <laughs> are the answer that's going to yeah. come up here. Yeah. But I think that this, these verses really point, if we're going to be holy as he is holy, then we really do need to set our minds and set our hope fully on the gospel. Mm-hmm. But we need to realize that the gospel is not something that leaves us at the altar and we set it to the side and never pick it up again. No. No, the gospel is and should be our everyday. We forever live in the gospel. It's not a mental ascension to a set of facts, but it is the whole Christian life is wrapped up in the gospel. When we think of spiritual disciplines, we really think of it as divorced from the gospel, Mm -hmm. that it's something that's not a part of it. Mm -hmm. When we think of discipleship, we really kind of think of it as the evangelism part and you get them to the altar and Mm -hmm. great. What's the part that happens afterwards? And that's really where the spiritual disciplines come in is Mm -hmm. because it helps teach that to bring them to that point. Mm -hmm. It really comes to the point of in the great commission, Jesus tells us to baptize everybody, but he also says, teach them everything that I've taught you. Mm -hmm. And that's really where these spiritual disciplines follow through is the teaching what he has taught what he has commanded Mm -hmm. and it brings up a good point is that as christians what's our idea supposed to be when we're setting our minds and hopefully on the gospel it's as obedient children Mm -hmm. now granted our two-year-old and one-year-old are not the best i mean what, at obedience no, no not at all and neither are all children in general but there is a time where we do follow in faith our parents we do follow in faith of what god has told us mm-hmm. and as christians our goal is to be obedient children yeah not adults who are following the path and trying to make our own way of it. But as children who are taking the hand of our parents, walking through a parking lot and letting them guide us through. Yeah. That's an important, like how you said that guide through, you know, you're holding the hand and relying on them to guide you where you want. I think that has a lot to do with the spiritual disciplines. As far as that, the spiritual disciplines is the hand by which you follow your parent in the analogy. I like the way that David Mathis had expounded upon Donald Whitney's example of Zacchaeus and Bartholomew, I think, and how Zacchaeus had climbed up a tree to get in the path of Jesus Christ. And Bartholomew was waiting, whose blind was waiting for Jesus to come through. The spiritual disciplines are not a way for us to walk the path to get there. But they're literally just a way for us to be put in the spot to let grace come through. Yeah. Kind of like how a water faucet doesn't have water that continually runs through it. But you have to turn it on for the water to come through. I think that's the (laughs) way that he had illustrated it. I like, I think this specifically in chapter two of in Whitney's book, but. I think it kind of encompasses everything. He quotes Dale Moody. He says, Dale Moody put it, a man can no more take in a supply of grace for the future than he can eat enough for the next six months or take sufficient air into his lungs at one time to sustain life for a week. We must draw upon God's boundless store of grace from day to day as we need it. Definitely, for sure. But I think the spiritual disciplines are really apply to like in that, right? To receive that grace, that that guidance from God, you know, we can't come to church on Sundays alone and expect that to somehow supply what we need, or or you know, fill in the blank. I can't come to church once a month, or you know, every other month, and expect to live as a healthy Christian when you're not feeding upon the graces that God has given us, right? And it reminds us that grace is not something that just saves us on the altar. 
Mm. But grace is also something that changes us as well. Yeah. Well, just as, uh, I mean, someone maybe like put it in the podcast about being conformed to the image of, <laughs> of God, you know, being conformed to the image of Christ, how are you conformed to the image of Christ? Because God's given the grace and gift to change you into yeah. that. But it's conforming, not right. conformed. Right. You know, you are being conformed. You are being, well, I guess that is, <laughs> you're being conformed in the image. That's what kind of went. Anyway, what I meant was, it is a continuous action, not a past tense. Oh, oh man. Yeah, that was a good one. That was great. That was good. I don't think I'm going to edit that out either. No, that was a good one. Yeah. So as obedient children and the spiritual disciplines and how spiritual disciplines are not to be divorced from the gospel, because as Christians, we're supposed to be holy in our conduct, right? Mm -hmm. But how do we learn to be holy in our conduct? It's through those spiritual disciplines, shaping us and conforming us to the image of God, right? Mm -hmm. And why are we doing this besides being told that? Well, it's because of the price that has been paid for us, right? Mm -hmm. We're not bought with silver or gold, which at the time was one of the most expensive things known to the world, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, instead, it's bought with the blood of Jesus Christ shedding his blood for our sins and taking that upon himself on the cross. And that's the reason why we grow to know him. Mm -hmm. Dietrich Bonhoeffer in his book, Discipleship, talking about the changing power of grace going along with this same stream. He says, grace that costs nothing does nothing. So we are purchased with a price. Therefore, there'll be a change. There is a change because you are purchased with such a high price. Mm -hmm. Therefore, there's great change in your life. Right. So we're doing these spiritual disciplines because we're bought with a price. And we're not doing it to look as righteous and holy as him. Because obviously there's nothing we can do that'll get us there. No. We stress that time and time again. We don't do these things to look righteous before other people. No. I think I shared the analogy once before about that James White used with the, I think it was the gold or silversmith. I shared that before. Maybe. And I think it was silversmith. And he talks about how silver he takes a silversmith takes this ore and he sticks it in the fire and he purifies it right and it bubbles and he pulls it out and then he shapes it a little bit more and he sticks it back in and he does this several times and you think that he's done and then he sticks it back in and he keeps doing this and what's the point of it he's boiling out all the impurities in the metal mm-hmm. and you think that once he's done that he's he's done but he's not because he sits down then and polishes it and the point is he wants to be able to look into it and see his own reflection. Mm-hmm. And that is God to us, boiling out our impurities through the spiritual disciplines. Right. So that we look more like him. Not not for us, for him. Right. That the spiritual disciplines are not an end of themselves, mm-hmm. but are the means to an end. Yeah. Just like the gospel. Yeah. With ultimately all these things pointing together to be his children, to be obedient to him, and to know him. So, I don't know if you have it in your notes there, but we've talked a lot about what spiritual disciplines, we've talked a lot about the term, Mm -hmm. what are the spiritual disciplines? So, what would you classify as spiritual disciplines? So, what I would classify as spiritual disciplines are exercises and that you can do that help to grow your spiritual faith. And this is kind of really a simple term. Whitney classifies it as the spiritual disciplines are those personal and corporate disciplines that promote spiritual growth. They are the habits of devotion and experiential Christianity that have been practiced by the people of God since biblical times. That's definitely a good way to think of it, is not just exercises and disciplines, but we have to remember that they're habits that we incorporate into our lives. And I think that's the hard thing for Christians sometimes, is to make it a habit. It is. I'm going to speak from personal experience. For me, at least, I'm going to put myself in that. It is the the routine 
Right. But it's a part of that new routine of like transforming our minds, as Paul says in Romans, or putting on the new self, as he says in Colossians, mm-hmm. is we're taking out these old habits in our lives of sin and mm-hmm. lust and things like that and putting on these new habits that help us grow in our knowledge and to have an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ mm-hmm. and God. So we're kind of just going to follow the rest of chapter one at this point. I think okay. we've pretty much covered well of why we should do the spiritual disciplines and kind of what they are. Yeah. Wait, do we actually list We didn't them? list them yet. Do <laughs> you want me to list them? I mean, I know a few of them off the top of my head. I got it pulled up right here. Oh, uh, look at you, <laughs> cheater. No, just I've kidding. already cheated. Yes. <laughs> so spiritual disciplines, and this is as far as Whitney is defined as the book we're going through. Okay. Are Bible intake, prayer, worship, evangelism, service, stewardship, fasting, silence and solitude, journaling, and learning. Now, that journaling one, that, that's always an interesting one. That says I'm a, I'm I have not read that far ahead, but I am very curious. I'm actually been just I've done Bible intake and prayer and those two. Right. So I'll give you like the synopsis of why jur- he puts journaling in mm-hmm. there, right? Just quick because it's interesting because you obviously nowhere in the Bible does it say journaling yeah. is a discipline, but when you come to think of it, how did the Psalms get there? Mm-hmm. How did Proverbs get there? I mean, these were all things that were written down from men's thoughts and reflections, praise. and as in praise and so on and so forth as they wrestled with times or experiences they've went through, and and that's part of the reason of why I, see, I can puts see it. journaling as a discipline. I, I can see. It. I'm excited to get there. I'm not going to jump ahead on nah. what my thoughts are there because, I'm, but I am really excited because I've done that before. And I have not been very disciplined in doing that. I want to do it because I've heard. Like, this is saying in a bad way, but I've heard great results from people doing that. Yeah. But, like, I want to try to learn to grow more. Yeah. I think that's the fun thing about this series is that it's not like we're doing this from the idea of a master. (laughs) No, no. We're doing this because we are beginners. Yeah. And this is something that's going to help us grow. Yeah. And you get to come alongside and grow with us is, is what our hope is. This is a uh, you grow, we grow together. This is not a we have figured all this out and we're going to tell you exactly how to do it. This is we struggle with every single one of these just the same. Yeah, this is not your 10 steps to spiritual enlightenment. No, this is, your, this is your 10 steps that we should be doing as well. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so we always come to this idea of where discipline is hard because for sake of the word, it's discipline. It means yeah. that there's something you have to set your heart and mind to to follow through. We talked about last week or last episode how we steer away from legalism and spiritual disciplines, but something else we have to steer away from as well or look out for is when it becomes drudgery mm. and becomes boring. Yeah. And I really think Donald Whitney is hits it on the head when that's the first thing he pretty much covers from the introduction. Yeah. Because that's the thing that most people are worried about when they're starting this. Is is this going to be a checklist? I'm going to not like this. This is going to be the, oh, I didn't read my Bible today. I got to, you know. Or, man, I have to do this, that, and this? Yeah. And I really think that when he takes the people through the illustration of the boy practicing his guitar, it really illuminates the problem yeah, and how we miss the idea. And not only does Donald Whitney hit on this idea, but all three of the authors that I mentioned, Donald Whitney, Richard Foster, and David Mathis kind of get this idea how discipline is not drudgery, but that discipline is freedom. Basically, for those who are wondering what the illustration is, if you haven't read the book, is a boy is practicing his guitar in a living room. And he's like a seven-year-old boy or something like that. And he's doing practicing his chords while he's watching his friends outside play 
baseball and have fun and things like that. And secretly, we all know that the boy inside wants to go and play mm. baseball. Or that's the way the illustration works. And suddenly this angel appears in front of them and they time travel few years later on and they're in this symphony hall watching a concert of a guy on a guitar and the boy's just so enthralled and entranced by the way that the musician plays and by the end of it is just wondering like who is this that is so good and the angel's like this is you in so many years Mm -hmm. but you ought to go home and practice so when they go back to where they were in the living room, the angel tells the boy to practice. Now, when the boy is going to practice, is it just drudgery? Or is it now, I know where this is going to lead and this is mm-hmm. going to take me and now I have a goal in mind and I can follow it through. Yeah, now you have that end in sight. And I think that's a problem for Christians is that we see these things, but we ultimately don't see the end goal. I agree. There's going along those same lines. I read that and it never clicked to my head, but Paul Washer also gave a sermon once and he gave a similar illustration about, I believe it was a, a boy playing a guitar or a piano or some instrument. And he said, he this boy went to the concert and he watched this guy play and he met him after. You know, this guy was just spectacular, the best he had ever heard. And he said, man, what I would, you know, I would give up anything to play like you. And he says, I did. Mm -hmm. He says, I did give up everything to play like me. That's the problem. It's not an easy fix, but it took work. Right. A lot of work. Yeah. And that's something that people point towards in sports, too. I mean you do have those people who are naturally talented and Mm -hmm. have these great athletic abilities. But sometimes those people with great abilities don't make it as far as somebody with hard determination because they don't push themselves enough. They don't discipline themselves Mm -hmm. to have the freedom that others do. My old wrestling coach, not steering into legalism here, but my old wrestling coach used to always say, hard work beats athleticism nine times out of ten. Mm-hmm. So no matter how talented someone is, if you can do the core basics, you're that much further. And that's just, you know that is a sporting analogy. I understand that, but it does correlate with spiritual life. If you are more disciplined in your spiritual life, you might look at those giants in your life that you can think of, those that just seem so unaffected, or maybe lean so much on the Lord during those tough times, and you think, man, I would love to be like that. Well, you're that little boy, you know, you're looking up to someone that didn't just, you know, decide one day that they're just going to be chipper about their situation, but they grew through discipline and you don't get that way by just deciding it. You get that way by working at it and not a work of, you know, devoid of love, but a work of love. You know, I don't want to make it seem like this work I speak of is drudgery you know and you hate it but it is a work of love right and there are times where it's going to be hard Mm -hmm. and it's not going to be easy to push through those Mm -hmm. times to discipline yourselves i mean that's part of the purpose of disciplining is because no matter what you try to do it you put your heart and mind to do it Mm -hmm. i mean that's another reason of why like if you hear the word robert kiyosaki I think he's the guy who wrote Rich Dad and Poor Dad. Mm. He's like, one of the main differences between wealthy people and poor people is that poor people look at a problem or problem and say, man, I wish that this could be done. Mm -hmm. While the rich people look at it and they try to figure it out Mm -hmm. no matter what. Mm -hmm. It's not a matter of just hoping, but it's a matter of, okay, how can I do this? It's an action. Mm-hmm. So that's a good reason of how we're not supposed to view these as drudgery. And we want to try to put an angle up for you and show you the vision. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, the good news is that we have the vision. There is the plus there. We know that there's a purpose for our disciplining and our shaping in life. Right. And along those lines, I mean, we talked about how First Peter 1, 13 through 21 shows how as Christians, we're called to be holy as he is holy. Mm-hmm. And that's a purpose that we're looking forward to mm-hmm. is to have that instance and look forward to in the future where God makes us holy to mm-hmm. where there is no more sin. There is no more crying. There is no more anger. I mean, I can't wait until that day comes. Mm-hmm. But until we get there, he is slowly and surely sanctifying me to get there. Mm-hmm. Another thing it says in Hebrews twelve fourteen, it says, Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Mm-hmm. Strive for peace with everyone. And there's something else besides the peace and for holiness. Mm-hmm. How can you strive for something if you don't understand what it is? Mm-hmm. And without understanding the spiritual disciplines and going through those, you're never going to understand completely what holiness is if you're just sitting on a pew on Sundays and listening. Yeah. Well, it's, it's just like Dale Moody said there, you know, you, you're not taking in the grace, you know, you're in that, in that case, sitting in the pew on Sunday, you're, you're trying to eat enough for one day to last you all week. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that's a great quote to remember. Yeah. I mean, if we look really towards First Timothy 4, it really strives and shows the purpose besides of striving for holiness. Let me go ahead. Go for it. You beat me there this okay. time. But have nothing to do with pointless and silly myths. Rather, train yourself in godliness. I'll run and read verse 8 too. For the training of the body has limited benefit, but godliness is beneficial in every way since it holds promise for the present life, but also for the life to come. Think of this. He says, this saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. I was actually listening to Steve Lawson's sermon. I didn't get to finish it. But Paul's emphasizing here, and he only says this like a handful of times throughout the New Testament. So it's important that we understand what is going on right here. I mean, it also says in 15, 6, it says, Practice these things, immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by so doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Mm-hmm. Now, that's such a heavy reminder. Mm-hmm. So that the ultimate purpose we're doing this is for the purpose of godliness. Mm-hmm. The spiritual disciplines are not righteousness in themselves. No. They help guide us to righteousness, which is given to us by the grace of God, Mm -hmm. because Jesus imputes his righteousness upon us. But because we do these works does not make us any better than anybody else. No. No. And that's an important thing to remember as you're trying to go through this journey with us is this isn't a yoke that to put on someone else to, hey, why aren't you doing X, Y, Z? Why aren't you doing this? You know, let me take the new shiny club that I found and try to smack someone with it. You're not using it for the purpose that's intended. It's not meant to bash other people. This is an individual thing. So this is a reflection upon yourself. Mm -hmm. And again, uh, as you read, being peaceful among others, right? Mm -hmm. That comes with that godliness, peacefulness. Right. So I guess I got to my notes and I was like, man, we've already covered some of this. Uh, But I think there's some important things to define when we're saying what are spiritual disciplines. Mm -hmm. For instance, these are activities and not attitudes. Yeah. Whitney states, they are practices, not character qualities, graces, or fruits of the spirits. Disciplines are things you do, such as reading, meditating, praying, fasting, worship, serving, learning, and so on. Um, Spiritual disciplines found in scripture are sufficient for knowing and experiencing God and for growing in Christ-likeness. Ooh, I really liked the way that D.A. Carson had put this. It's a really long quote, too, about spiritual disciplines. Oh, it's a good one, though. Let's let's hear it. It's D.A. Carson. Yeah. (laughs) The gospel is not a minor theme that deals with the point of entry into the Christian way. 
to be followed by a lot of material that actually brings about the life transformation. Very large swaths of evangelicalism simply presupposes that this is the case. Preaching the gospel, it is argued, is announcing how to be saved from God's condemnation. Believing the gospel guarantees you won't go to hell. But for actual transformation to take place, you need to take a lot of discipleship courses and the like. You need to learn journaling or asceticism or the simple lifestyle or scripture memorization. You need to join a small group, an accountability group, or Bible study. Hmm. Not for a moment would I speak against the potential for good of all these steps. Rather, I am speaking against the tendency to treat these as post-gospel disciplines. Hmm. Disciplines divorced from what God has done in Christ Jesus and the gospel of the crucified and resurrected Lord, mm-hmm. which really kind of points to spiritual disciplines are means and not ends. Mm-hmm. Love the way Carson puts it. I, I mean, this just reiterates what we said earlier about the gospel. We just, so common in today, that the gospel is what is done for people to be saved, and that's it. You know, you, gospel's for you, Jesus died for your sins, okay, you're good, you got it, okay, that's the gospel. Yes, but what's the result of that? Mm-hmm. The gospel is the good news that Jesus Christ did take your place, is a substitutionary atonement for your for your sins. But what does that mean? What is? How does that carry itself out? Does that mean that good, your sins were placed on him, and then the righteousness is applied, but it doesn't actually change? Right. It's like it's missing the doctrine or the idea of repentance. Mm-hmm. And that is just as much a part of the gospel as anything else is. Yeah. I mean, that's the main thing that both John the Baptist and Jesus preached throughout the New Testament. And I guarantee that if you look at the things we've said about transforming your mind and putting on the new clothes... Those are the same things that Paul teaches on and all the other disciples do as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at 1 John 1, 1, or yeah, 1 John chapter 1, and it's not verse 1, <laughs> but I think it's verses like 5 through 10, and it talks mm-hmm. about how we are to walk in the light and not walk in darkness as Christians. For yeah. the person who walks in light... Yeah, this is the message... Uh, chapter 1 verse 5 this is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you god is light and there is absolutely no darkness in him if we say we have fellowship with him and yet we walk in darkness we are lying and are not practicing the truth if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light we have fellowship with one another and the blood of jesus his son cleanses us from all sin absolutely i mean to walk with christ is to proclaim that you know the very true God and creator of the universe and to not reflect that holiness that he has and that he displays through the cross is to bury your head into the sand. Right. Even Jesus takes time mm-hmm. multiple times in Luke to go into desolate places away from the crowds mm-hmm. to pray. Mm-hmm. I think before he even chooses his 12 disciples, he spends all night praying for him. Mm. I can't even imagine having that time. I've never been put in that spiritual place, I'll say yet. Yeah. Because there could always be a time when that happens. Mm-hmm. But it just shows you that even if Jesus Christ, who is the Son of God, who is God himself, basically, mm-hmm. is praying and having these spiritual disciplines to exemplify for us how much more should we do it i mean we should do it and this is not you know as we go through the spiritual discipline some of this stuff is stuff that should be done every day some of it isn't stuff necessarily that needs to be done every day but some of it is stuff that is of great benefit right it's like running a marathon you don't always or, or like working out you know let's go back to the analogy of working out you don't always do leg days right <laughs> occasionally you got to do you know upper body days if you're like me you usually just skip leg days <laughs> but that's the thing that we're pointing at too is like this is not something we're trying to get you to rush and go all gun and go gun ho for yeah like this isn't saying right now you need to have 
an hour of quiet time. You have to have an hour of prayer. You yeah. have to have an hour of journaling all in one day to be a good Christian. That yeah. is that is so very far from what we are saying at this point in time. We want you to start off slow. We want you to build a habit. Yeah. This is not something to be a drudgery, but it's just something to help insert in your day mm -hmm. because we want you to be conformed to the image of God. And we've done things on Calvinism. We've done, or not, well, yes, Calvinism. Yeah. We've done things going through Lamentations. And both these things are learning about those have come through spiritual disciplines. Mm -hmm. And we're not saying this because we're masters at those things. No. But we want you to be able to reach the point where you can do those on your own. Mm. And the only way you're going to be able to do that is studying through God's word, is praying through it, meditating on what things are going on, mm -hmm. fasting and worshiping. I mean, these are all integral parts of the Christian life that we so put to the edge and miss. Mm -hmm. And I know that our main goal is to get other people to come and be followers of Christ. But if these spiritual disciplines are not a part of our life, people are going to notice and not want any part of it. Mm -hmm. You become a hypocrite. I mean, the sad reflection is if you're telling others the gospel changes your life and yet you don't have any change in your life, you're a hypocrite. Right. And trust me, there are definitely plenty of times where I've sounded like a hypocrite uh, yeah. and I know it. Yeah. Well, there's probably been times during this podcast that as we go through the spiritual disciplines, it's going to be very, you know, humbling. Yeah. It's, it's definitely times where we have missed this. Yeah. I mean, if you think it's not just the New Testament that tells us to practice these either. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you go back to Joshua chapter one, it says, this is what God says to him in verse eight. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. Mm -hmm. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. I mean, I'm not promising you that these will make your way prosperous and have great <laughs> success. Your way will prosperous, but not materially. Yeah. If you follow these through, with the idea that you're trying to be, become more intimate with God, that you're trying to increase your spiritual knowledge and that you're waiting on God to use these to conform form you to him, then yes, that is what I mean by you are prosperous and be successful. Not because the spiritual disciplines are something that you rely on to get you there, but because you're relying on God to use those disciplines to change you. Amen. It's not just in Joshua, okay. but there's one more. And it's pretty important because it's one that we don't think about as Christians a lot. And we quote it all the time, too. But it's important to Jews themselves, right? Mm -hmm. You go to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Oh, verse 4, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Hear, O Israel, Lord your God, the Lord is one. If I can get to it. The Shema. Deuteronomy 6, verse 4 through verse 9. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. Mm -hmm. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Man, in both Joshua and Deuteronomy, and even if you look at Psalm 119, mm -hmm. the longest chapter in the Bible, all three of these point towards how important biblical intake is, mm -hmm. of course but also how important it is that we do think about God, how we discipline ourselves for God mm -hmm. and neglecting the spiritual disciplines. I think there's two main things that we'll miss if we don't do these. Obviously there is this idea of independent growth, right? Mm -hmm. We won't see ourselves grow in our knowledge of Christ if we just neglect these. 
because they're all very important means of growing in our faith. Mm -hmm. But I think it's the second one that really impacts us as well is it impacts us corporately. Yeah. If we do not follow these through, if we do not follow spiritual disciplines, it can affect the way that our church and our faith grows. Mm -hmm. Because as a brother in Christ, we're supposed to help teach each other, Mm -hmm. to help exhort one another, to help encourage. And how am I supposed to lead you and help you along your path if I'm just a blind man walking there? Mm -hmm. I know that when Jesus says this, that he's talking about the Pharisees and how blind men lead blind men onto the path of disrighteousness. But it also applies here to disciplines Mm -hmm. because a blind man can't help another man get closer to God when he doesn't know how to do it himself. Absolutely. I mean, it's like we're both trying to walk towards a pit together. If both of us are not doing our spiritual disciplines. Yeah. It's you're walking, you know, yeah, it's the blind leading the blind. You immature are, you know, with immaturity and, uh, that is something that scripture actually condemns is the immature leading. And if you don't become mature yourself through spiritual disciplines, through growing, then you could run the risk of, well, hurting someone else, (laughs) to be honest. Yeah. And that's why we want to cover this is because we can tell the people about the gospel all we want. And we should, Mm -hmm. and we need to. I mean, we've clearly said that that's what we're called to do. It's the Great Commission. But we also need to remember that the gospel makes a life change. Mm-hmm. The gospel has this process of sanctification of where we're being mm-hmm. conformed to the image of what God has created us to be. And I think that's really what this series is going to focus on is that latter part of the gospel transformation. Mm-hmm. Is the transformation. <laughs> yeah, this transforming. You were something and you will be formed into something else. Right. You know, the uh the wonderful thing, the image of the pottery or the potter in the in the clay is that what do you have to do to make pottery? You have to work it and work it and work it and wet it and mold it and form it and it takes continuous use. Right. And continuous continuous shape and you know, that doesn't happen by simply taking it and throwing it against a wall, you know, and letting it set. Right. And just thinking on that idea of like working on it and working on it and working on it, I want to make put this illustration across. It's probably not the greatest one, but when we think of these disciplines, I mean, we can think of them as much as we're creating artwork, right? Mm-hmm. Or sculpture, painting, whatever. I mean, you look at prayer, you look at Bible reading, you look at meditation and whatever tool and you can kind of look at it as a, you're carving something, you're painting something, you're sculpting, chiseling, etc. At what point in time does your image look like at the end? Is the image that you're creating through these tools something that proclaims God and his beauty and worships him? Or in the end, is it an idol that you've created for yourself Mm. to make you look great in front of all the people? If you're taking the knowledge of your spectacular prayer life that you spend three hours a day praying and you use that against people, then you're no better than the Pharisees who prayed aloud for everyone to hear them in the streets. You know, you're bragging about a, well, a perceived uh, grace that really isn't a great, it's grace, it's a hindrance. And that goes with every discipline. That goes with fasting. It goes with service. I serve more than anyone else in this church, you know? Well, you know, that's a pretty prideful thing to say. Right. Absolutely. You know, I read my Bible, you know, I read seven chapters a day, you know, I know other Christians only read a verse a day. I'm so smart and... Now you're taking something that should be a grace and you're making it a hammer. 
Right. Absolutely. So I think this is a good point where I know we've kind of probably word jumbled this and that's always good to have a stream of consciousness, even if we're kind of following a script. But let's summarize everything in the episode, probably in maybe like this last five to 10 minutes or so. And let's kind of define what spiritual disciplines are. Let's give the list over again Mm -hmm. and then kind of point to where we're going. So Whitney's definitions are about spiritual disciplines are those practices found in scripture that promote spiritual growth among believers in the gospel of Jesus Christ. They're habits of devotion and experiential Christianity that have been practiced by the people of God since biblical times. Mm -hmm. Um, These different kinds of spiritual disciplines are both personal and interpersonal spiritual disciplines. Personal ones are those that are individual and the ones that are covered in the book that we're reading right now. They help to grow the individual. Interpersonal are how a Christian interacts between the two. I don't really think we covered that one very much, but a really bad illustration probably, <laughs> but it paints the picture well. The difference between interpersonal and personal is that you can imagine it like the force. With personal being on one side and interpersonal being on the other. So we'll call personal the light and interpersonal the dark. <laughs> yes, this is a terrible illustration. But in reality, like you don't want to lean too far one way and too far the other. That's not true balance because the teeter-totter will be tilted to one side. Yeah. The real balance is in the middle between the two. You don't want the Jedi to elect Palpatine as the Grand Chan- Can- Counselor. Grand Counselor. Grand Chancellor. Chancellor. That's the word I'm looking for. <laughs> Grand Chancellor. Yeah. You want to avoid that. Right. Uh, <laughs> Which could be an example of a you elevating a spiritual discipline on the dark side. See? <laughs> I brought that around. There you yeah. Go. <laughs> oh, we're terrible at illustrations. <laughs> but, I mean, there's multiple biblical sources we've quoted. I mean, we've talked from First Peter. We've talked from Hebrews. We've talked from First Timothy. We've gone to Luke. We've gone to Joshua. We've gone to Deuteronomy. All these books of the Bible to show that it's throughout Scripture that ask us to discipline ourselves, to follow ourselves to God. I mean, ones that we even kind of briefed over are Romans and Colossians. Mm-hmm. Um, we pointed out some dangers in collecting the spiritual disciplines. I mean, there's no growth in the faith without them. Mm-hmm. Or if there is, it's very little and not really helpful at all. Well, yeah. It's doing curls every single day of your life and expecting your legs to be strong. You know, you're not exercising your full body. Right. There's a point of where it's a freedom to embrace spiritual disciplines. Mm-hmm. I mean, going back to the guitar illustration, which he does. How can you expect to play really hard pieces of music mm-hmm. if you don't do the basics of the chords and you don't practice and discipline yourself? Yeah. I mean, nobody's going to be able to play on the pedestal of like Lionel Messi or Cristiano Ronaldo without putting the same practice in. Or if you have the mindset of Kobe Bryant, even mm-hmm. Kobe Bryant and Cristiano Ronaldo are two of the guys who like mindset is on like training all the time and discipline Mm -hmm. it's not just something that they do for their physical bodies it's something that they do at home the way they eat the way they fuel themselves i mean it's really focusing everything they do on their sport and what their focus is yeah and while ours as christian is to focus on the conducting ourselves in holiness just as god is holy we won't ever reach it but that doesn't make us any less important on getting there. I think also that as Christians, we are called to enjoy God. I know that we enjoy worship on Sundays and on Wednesdays sometimes. <laughs> Depends on who's teaching, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. But the only way we are called to enjoy God seven days out of the week. 
And the only way we do that is if we discipline ourselves to enjoy him seven days of the week. A list of things that we're going to cover in the future. The first thing we're going to do is biblical intake. Maybe we'll get that in one episode. I think we can. I think we can get that in one episode. The next one's going to be prayer and then worship, evangelism, serving, stewardship, fasting, silence and solitude, and journaling and learning. And with the last one being perseverance in the disciplines. Because those are all good, but the main part of discipline is that perseverance. Yes. If you don't mind, I wanted to read Hebrews chapter 12 here, going along with perseverance, endurance. Chapter 12 starts, and therefore, this is after chapter 11, let me give context. This is after chapter 11 with his the long list of by faiths to prove that everyone has pleased God only through faith. And it starts in chapter 12. Therefore, since we also have such a large crowd of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every hindrance in the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith. For the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the Father, or throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, so that you won't grow weary and give up in struggling against sin. You have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood, and you have forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons. My son, do not take the Lord's discipline lightly, or lose heart when you are reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one whom he loves and punishes every son he receives. Endure suffering as discipline. God is dealing with you as sons. For what son is there that a father does not discipline? But if you are without discipline, which all receive, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Man, it's such a great reminder that, again, these disciplines are not going to be something that gives you material wealth. They're not something that's necessarily going to make your life better. No, they could lead to the, the exact app, opposite. The, the exact opposite. But, but you you're, are run, you're running the race of right. endurance. And you're running with your eyes on God. And that's the ultimate prize yes. that we need to keep our eyes on. With trusting and holding to the fact that seeing the disciplines work in your life, conforming you to the one, the perfecter of the faith, Jesus Christ himself, setting your eyes upon him, that you see that you are a son or daughter of Christ, that you are purchased by him, that you are being guided by him, and you can rest not in your works, but you can rest that, as Hebrews chapter 11 says, by faith you are being sanctified. Absolutely. Well, guys, this is the start of our series on spiritual disciplines. I'm excited. I am too. i I'm pretty excited to reread chapter two through three again. Yep. I'm, I actually really like it. I'm ready to get into it. There's a lot of stuff written in there, like oh, sub-disciplines. Yeah. I was, so I'm, I'm reading and then I'm doing it in Audible and like driving down the road. I'm like, oh, oh, note, note, <laughs> note. That's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So guys, thanks for listening to Anchor by Faith. You can find us on most major podcasting sites or find us at anchorbyfaith.podbean.com. <laughs> Feel free to be on the lookout for the new podcast. And also, we're on Twitter. We are on Twitter. Our username is at rom829abf. And the ABF is capital. So... Stands for Romans 829, Anchored by Faith. I thought it was pretty good. Thanks. I try yeah. to be clever every that was once a good in a while. But it's probably not that great. I, I thought it was pretty cool. <laughs> but remember the idea of this podcast and even this series is the idea that we're trying to continue to be conformed to the image of God. Mm-hmm. And that this is a process of how that works out in our lives by grace empowering it through us Mm -hmm. 
I think it's in Philippians. No, I can't remember. But it talks about how Paul toils with God's energy through his working inside Paul. Mm. I think it's a good reminder of how that works hand in hand. So thanks for listening, guys. My name's Logan. And my name is Colton. Good night. And God bless.